I think I'm done after that prayer. (laughs) This morning we're uh, continuing our series on uh, our city, and uh, we're wrapping up uh, the the talks that we've had on the focus groups, the target groups that uh, we uh, look at in our church and in our MCs, and that was uh, the orphans and the homeless, and today we'll be discussing the sick. And it was, uh, but don't, don't get me wrong, we're not limited to those target groups when we're called to serve. That's just who we focus on at this church, but through your, your uh, ties that we continue to support other ministries and other, other needs as well. So don't, don't think that these three are just the only places that we need to serve, but it was neat when I was thinking about this sermon and uh, I don't think we planned this, but as we, we talked about the, the different groups, we went from the, the orphans, the homeless, and now we're doing the sick. But as Rico shared when discussing the, the orphans, that how many, when they reach uh, 18 and are sent out on their own, end up being homeless. And then we talked about the homeless and, and how many people that are homeless have uh, addiction problems, their sicknesses, how many kids are ending up homeless, and all of those without you know, health care and... Uh, obviously, being sick out on the streets, and you know, here we are now talking about the sickness. So I thought it was great how we have this progression uh, flowing through there. And today, it's great that we talk about the sick as well, because later this afternoon, there's going to be a group of people <laughs> who are sick to their stomachs. Most of them are going to be wearing orange. <laughs> there's a slight chance those wearing blue and red might, but the blue and red guys are favored by three. So... <laughs> <laughs> but there is hope for them. There's hope for them. We'll start a new season. There's a renewal for them where they can start with a perfect record of zero wins, zero losses. But it's the same kind of message of hope that we can take out when we go out and serve as well. We can take out the message and the hope of Jesus Christ and his return and that he will come and renew us and we will have perfect bodies. There will be no sickness so we need to remember that as we go out and serve the sick and their families. A lot of the times we end up serving their families and not the actual sick people. And uh, we'll kind of look into that a little bit later. And I, it's important to remember when we talk about the sick that God cares. Sickness is not a, a punishment. We're not, God's not looking at you and going, all right, you, know, you screwed up last week. You're getting the flu. Bam! It, it just doesn't happen that way. Sickness and death... And sin entered the world through one man, and that was through Adam. And uh, that's why we have sickness in the world. And it's not, we can't look at it as a punishment, because sometimes that kind of gives us a, a better-than-thou attitude, right? When we look at people who are sick, and, well, you know, you deserved it. Well, we all deserve it. So, uh, so I, was, I was looking at, at Scripture to support, and we'll be in Luke 10, 25 to 37, as you notice up there, so if you want to start getting your Bibles open to that, we'll be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. But as I was looking up supplemental information, supplemental scripture to, to look at the heart of God, we uh, ran across just a couple verses that deal with the heart of God. And, uh, I mean, you just look through the ministry of Christ, and it's just, you know, throughout the New Testament, just one verse after another. It was just uh, amazing so when you're going through and trying to pick, which, which sickness am I going to talk about? Which verse are we going to focus on? But really, the parable of the Good Samaritan kind of deals with all of them. But, I mean, just look. So does God have a heart for the sick? That was like his main ministry, right? 
when he sends out the 72, go out to all the cities and wherever you're welcomed and eat with them and heal the sick. He gave them power to heal the sick. And, you know, I, I wish we were all like Jesus and could just go out and heal the sick, but unfortunately we're not. So we can go out and serve the sick. So let's go ahead and, uh, and pray and then we'll get into the, uh, the scripture and we'll read through Luke 10, 25 to 37. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you have adopted us into your family. We thank you that you can send us out with the power of the Holy Spirit to share your good news. And we thank you that Christ is returning. We thank you that hope that you give us. We thank you that you forgive us of our sins, that you can look on us and see Jesus and not ourselves. We thank you that, that as we go out and serve, that we can share that message. And I pray that we would go out and do that, Lord. We pray that as we, we look at this, this passage, that we look at the Samaritan, that we would see your heart, we would see your service, and, and know what you have planned for us. Just ask that uh, our hearts are opened, our hearts are melted, and that we have the type of love that Jesus has for us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go ahead and uh, open to Luke 10. 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, speaking about the lawyer, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So we can kind of break these verses down into two parts. You've got the first part with a question and a command about eternal life, verses 25 to 28. And then we have a question and a command about who's my neighbor, verses 29 to 37. So let's go ahead and look at the, that first part. We'll dig through there and uh, see, what, see what's going on. First of all, when we, when we hear a lawyer, we all, I'm sure we all have images in our head of who's standing up and uh, what we might have said to the lawyer about eternal life. But in this era, a lawyer is a theologian. He's you know, someone who is extremely well-versed in Mosaic law, and that's why Jesus directs him back to the law. And, and he's not looking for an actual answer, right? He's, he's a lawyer. He already knows the law. 
He's looking to, to test Jesus. But his question is still good, right? How do we get to heaven? How do we get into God's kingdom? How do we get eternal life? And Jesus refers him right back to the law. And, he, and the man, the lawyer, paraphrases Deuteronomy 6.5, which is to command the command that we love God basically first, that we love God with every fiber of our being. And then Leviticus 19.18, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yes, that is right. That is what you have to do. And in Mark, Jesus used the same references, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, to answer a scribe who asked him, what's the greatest commandment? So the greatest commandment is to love God. And then Jesus added, and the second would be to love your neighbor. So we've got the question and the answer. And then the command is, Jesus says, do this and you will live. It's not just know it. The lawyer knows it, right? He's testing Jesus. He already knows the answer. But he tells him, do it. And just like Andrew shared last week in James, faith without works is useless. James 2, 19 to 20. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? We can't just know. We have to do. And we'll be, we'll be judged on it as well. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. is about the final judgment and God separating the goats from the sheep, right? Let me just read you uh, part of uh, 34 to 36. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Those are the sheep. The ones who don't do that, those are the goats. Pushed to the side. But we got to remember that we're not earning a place. We're not earning a place in heaven through our works, right? The good works arise from a commitment to follow Christ. We love, we love God. Jesus is our king. Therefore, we serve him and we go out and do these good works. So we have to go and do it. Now, the second part of these verses is where we get into the actual parable of the Samaritan. And the lawyer asks, and you can hear it in his voice, he's asking smugly, who's my neighbor? Right? Again, he's seeking to justify himself. Because during that time, it was, your neighbor was considered to be for him, your fellow Jews. That was your neighbor. The Romans weren't your neighbors. The Samaritans weren't your neighbors. So he's, he's already got in his mind, it's just the Jews. He wants to limit his responsibility too. He doesn't want to be responsible for the Romans. He doesn't want them to be his neighbors. He just wants Jesus to say, yeah, it's your fellow Jews. But Jesus doesn't answer him directly. He gives him the parable. And in the parable, we've got four characters, right? We've got a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, who's presumably a Jew. 
We have the priest who's from the line of Aaron. They were the ones who did all the, all the priestly work. We have the Levite who is an assistant to the priest. And then we have a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan is a group of people who are mixed Jewish and Gentiles. They are despised by the Jews. They're despised so much that a Jew, a good, devout, strict Jew, going from uh, Judea to Galilee would go around Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through it because they'd be defiled. It would be like us going from Bakersfield to San Diego. Instead of going through the L.A. Basin, we go around. Amen. But we're... <laughs> but we're walking. <laughs> you're not driving. You're walking, maybe along with your donkey, you know? I mean, that's a ways to go away. Just to, In that case, you know, I'm going straight through <laughs> L.A. Basin to San Diego, you know? So there's, so there's just this, this the, uh, hatred, really. So those are our four characters, okay? And when Jesus asks... Jesus tells the parable what the Samaritan did. You know, the priest and the Levite go pass by on the other side, and the Samaritan helps. And Jesus asks, who's the neighbor? It's not the two we expect, right? We would expect it to be the priest, Rich. It would be expected to go out and help. It would be like the elder, right? Just walking by, or, or one of our deacons, just walking by. And then, I don't a Raiders fan? I don't know, helping the... <laughs> well, I guess today it would be a Broncos fan helping, <laughs> helping uh, the stranger. And uh, when he asked him, you know, who was the neighbor, the lawyer can't even say the Samaritan. They, he can't even just say the Samaritan, you know, the one who showed mercy. I mean, he just, I was just yanking the words out of his mouth, Right. So that's, so that's the question and the answer, and then the command. We have the command there as well at the end in verse 37. You go and do likewise. So we're commanded to be a neighbor, a true neighbor, not the one that only folks who have the same political affiliations that we have, the same religion that we have, the same beliefs. No, go and be a neighbor to all. Care and love for your fellow man. Take care of strangers the way the Samaritan did, which, I mean, that's huge. Think about that, guys. Go and do likewise, not similar. Likewise. What did the Samaritan do? He picked the man up. He bandaged his wounds, used oil and wine, put him on his animal, took him to an inn, took care of him. Then the next day, paid for the innkeeper to continue that. I mean, I'm not advocating, don't go out, you find someone on the street, don't pick them up, take them to Motel 6, care for them for the night, and pay for a couple more nights. That's, you'll probably get in trouble for that. But, but that's a, a huge implication to us, right? I mean, that's go and do likewise. So we're, we're, we're called to do likewise, even though it's like, wow, how can we do that? How can we really do that? So let's, let's see how we can do that. How do we love our sick? First of all, we have to love our God. That was the, the first commandment right there in, in, the, in the passages. Love God with every fiber of your being, right? 
Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. It's straight out of the Old Testament. If we don't love God with all of our heart, strength, mind, soul, we're probably putting love into something else. Football, some other sport, your business, your family. You know, we start worshiping those idols, idols of comfort, security, control. Those are the things that we tend to love, right? Those are the things that tend to direct our actions every day. What's comfortable for me? What's going to make my family better? I don't want to go serve right now. I'm going to sit here and watch the Broncos-Patriots game. You know, I got better stuff to do. But that's not the type of love that God showed us. So we have to love God first. And in doing so, our heart condition changes. We, we get rid of those idols of comfort, security, and control. We worship God first. We put him first in everything. When we love him with every fiber of our being, we want to obey him. We want to serve him. We want him to look down on us and say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Right? That's how, that's how our, our children love us. They want, they, want dad's, they want dad's blessing. And we want that too. Especially when, when we love God, we want that too. And thankfully, God can't already look down on us and say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because he doesn't see my ugly mug. He sees Jesus. That substitutionary atonement, Jesus is standing in for me. So thankfully, he can do that. But we still need to understand his love for us is the same love that he has for others. It's not limited to just us. It's the same love that Christ showed while he was here. So once we are able to fully love God and understand his love for us, then we can go out and serve others. Then we can go out and and serve the sick, the homeless, the orphans. Because it's from God that we get our identity, right? I mean, we've talked about this so much here at at Crosspoint. Our gospel identity is given to us by God. We're not an appraiser, a teacher, a gas technician, (laughs) gas guy, (laughs) a mechanic, you know, whatever. That's not our identity. That's just what we do to earn a living. Our identity is in Christ. We are a family of missionary servants. We're sons and daughters of God the Father. We're we're missionaries who go out with the power of the Holy Spirit, preparing people for entry into his, his kingdom. And we're servants. We're people who go out and serve God by serving others. And it's through that identity that we can truly love our neighbors. When we realize that we are sons and daughters, we are part of God's family, we're missionaries and servants, then can we go out and truly love our neighbors as ourselves, as the Samaritan did. So it's through our identity as servants. It's through our identity as servants that we can love our neighbors. Jesus is our king, right? And we serve Jesus as he served us. He came not to be served, but to serve. So if we are serving Jesus, then that's how we also must serve. 
We serve him by serving others. Look, if, if, if we don't go out and serve, if we don't go out and love our neighbors, it's not our neighbors who are offended. They don't even know if we're not serving them, right? It's God who knows. God's the one who sees you doing nothing. Not your neighbors. Your neighbors aren't going to be mad at you. It's God who's going to be offended. Because Jesus came as the suffering servant. He came as the suffering servant so that he can relate to to all of these target groups that we've discussed. Right? He was an orphan. Now, stick with me on this. I know he had mom, Mary. But when Jesus was on the cross, he cries out in Matthew 27, 46. Eli, Eli, lema sebechthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turned his face away from Christ. And for the first time, Jesus was alone. He was without God, taking on, our, taking on our sins. He was rejected by God and was an orphan at that point. He was homeless. In Luke 9, 58, he tells us the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And in Mark 15, 15, we know that Jesus was scourged for us. He was scourged. Scorched a whip with metal pieces and glass pieces and ripping the flesh off of his body. So Jesus was an orphan. He was homeless. He was definitely sick. He was bruised and battered, probably worse than the Samaritan. Uh, Sorry, not the Samaritan. The Samaritan's (laughs) patient. (laughs) The man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. So we have a, a servant king who we can relate to with all of these target groups. So it's important that as we go out and love our neighbors, that we can, we can love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's the only way that we can actually go and do likewise. We have to go out and share that message, that message of hope, that message of understanding that Christ has for all of us. I mean, the Samaritan loved the stranger as he loved himself, so that's how we need to take care of our neighbors, right? But there's, there's, there's really two ways that we can, we can serve our neighbor, serve the sick and love them. We can directly serve them like the Samaritan did. He, he picked the man up, bandaged his wounds, anointed him, and took him to, to an inn. But then he also indirectly helped him. He paid the innkeeper to, to take care of him while he was gone, right? So those are the, the kind of the two ways that we can serve and love our neighbors. We can directly help them or we can indirectly help them. And... So how do we apply those two ways to uh, helping the sick, to loving the sick in our city? Well, first, we need to know where to find the sick. And it, it could, it, it's kind of obvious where to find the sick. It's in hospitals, hopefully not laying in the street like this guy. They're in hospitals, but really they're all around us too. They truly are all around us. I'm sure there are people out here right now who are sick. Maybe not deathly ill, but who are sick, right? Probably have friends and family at home who are sick. So we can find them everywhere, but obviously the greatest number are in hospitals. They are in, in um, rest homes. They are in uh, convalescent hospitals. So that's obviously where we are going to be able to, to serve them best. But... Tell you what, it's kind of hard to find someone to directly serve in a hospital. They're already being directly served, right? 
There's doctors, nurses, every, everyone's already taking care of the sick. So trying to find someone outside of that where our, our missional community can you know, live life with them, it's hard. It's hard. Well, for one thing, people get better. And then they're no longer there. <laughs> that's good. That's great. That's, you know, that's something to, to, to be joyful about. But at times it can be frustrating. But I think part of that is because being sick is, is very personal. You know, I know when I'm sick, I don't need strangers coming to my house, offering to make dinner. You know, I can, I can order a pizza. I'm good. I don't need you. That's okay. But, you know, people who, who have a, you know, chronic illness or terminal illnesses, they may not necessarily want strangers helping them either. They want their privacy. They want just to be left alone. But as Rich and I were talking the other day, it's, well, how about if it's your kids? I'm like, uh, you know, I might look for a little help then. So the situation changes. But still, we found it difficult to, to directly engage with a family and live on mission with them. We had a... Uh, a little girl who goes to school with Nyron, and uh, she has leukemia. And her teacher came to Amanda and Derek and said, hey, this family, they may need some help. Fantastic. Let's do it. We're all on board. Go to the family. No, thanks. We're, we're, we're okay. We don't, we don't need any assistance. You're just like, okay. All right. Let's move on. Now, I've got a sick neighbor. She fell. She's been having dizzy spells. Her son's there. Her daughter's there. Please, let me know if you can do, if there's anything I can do for you guys. Anything. Cook dinner. Go take her to the, her, her appointments. Whatever. Let me know. And I offered it several times. But, you know, they declined every time. So it can be frustrating trying to serve the sick as well. But this morning, we're always keeping our ears open to where we can directly serve the sick. And this morning, Amanda tells me her teacher, her son's teacher, came to her again. And there's, it's, it's her father that we may be able to directly serve. So, you know, keep us in your prayers for that. It would be fantastic that we can uh, go help him and his wife in, in, in their time of need as they're sick. So, so it's, it's been a little frustrating in, in being able to directly serve the sick, but... Amanda's been able to directly serve the sick as well. I mean, she served my mom for four or five months, four or five months before she passed away. And my mom loved it. I mean, Amanda was just there to, to help out around the house, to take her to doctor's appointments, to make sure she was taking the right medicines, get her something to eat. I mean, it was just a fantastic way to serve. And, uh, you know, I know my mom really loved it. So serving directly the sick has been difficult, but what we found much easier to do is indirect service, where we serve. We've been serving now for coming up on two years at the Ronald McDonald House, where we go on a monthly basis. We cook dinner for the families that are there. You know, we're not, we're not serving the sick directly. We're serving their families. They've got children in the hospital, and they, they stay at Ronald McDonald House and we go and cook dinner for them. We talk with them. And, you know, that's been, that's been fantastic. We don't really get to, to develop relationships there because, like I said, the, the kids heal. They move out of the, of the hospital. They go home, and, and the, the families go as well, but, which is great news. And most of them are there for children. Um, 
fact, Kern County, one of the, in their health assessment, underweight children is one of the biggest risks, and premature children, premature babies, are, are one of the, the number one risks in Kern County. We're like way, we're in the bottom 25th percentile of all California counties for that. So, so that's been a great way that Ronald McDonald serves them directly and then that we can indirectly serve them by coming and supporting them. And, but we did have a, a great opportunity. There was, there was a couple there who was adopting a child. They were from Texas. The couple was from Texas and they were adopting a child who was born premature. And so they come out to, to adopt. They've got no place to stay. So they stayed at, at Ronald McDonald House. And it was, they were there for three months. I think they were there for three months for this child to get better, to get well enough to travel, to leave the state. Of course, there was paperwork involved as well, but you know, we did get to develop a relationship with them. We saw them on a recurring basis. We took the dad to a, a Condors game, see hockey. So it was great. We are able to develop some relationships there. We've developed relationships with the people who volunteer there as well. So it, it's a great way to, to indirectly serve the sick of our city. And then we also serve on a more limited basis at KMC. My wife has been a cuddler there, a volunteer cuddler, which goes to the, uh, the neonatal infant care, neonatal intensive care unit to just hold babies that are there for long times, who mostly because of underweight or addiction problems, born into addiction, and she's just there to, to hold the babies and change diapers and... <sighs> So I love that she loves that. <laughs> but uh, we also, well, I should say she also <laughs> makes blankets. I've tied a few knots on the blankets. But, you know, we take blankets and beanies to KMC as well. And uh, we're looking at, at more volunteer opportunities there as well. So that's kind of what our missional community has been doing to serve the sick of our city. And, you know, I hope I've shown you guys God's heart for the sick, that he really has a heart for the sick. He came to serve the sick, and, you know, we do too. We, we really love helping out Ronald McDonald. I know there have been several families either in the church or associated with our church that have used Ronald McDonald, so it's really dear to us. And uh, we just need to remember that as we go out that God has a plan of salvation and a hope in Christ, as, as we go out and serve, we take that message to all those people that, that we encounter. And uh, just, I mean, especially for the sick, that's just such an important message, knowing that Jesus will come and all that sickness will be gone. He's coming back. He has, God has a plan. It's to get rid of all this sin that has let sickness into the world. But really, we've got to remember that we have to take care of our hearts first. Because if we've got heart conditions, not physical heart conditions, spiritual heart conditions with, with different idols, we're not going to honestly be able to love our neighbors and serve the sick. It's, I mean, how many organizations are out there that already serve, right? That are secular, that have no... And, and the problem I think that we run into when we, we go that route is that we're doing it for our own glory. We're doing it to make ourselves feel good instead of going out and doing it to glorify God. Because just as faith without works is dead, works without faith is dead. And we can't get caught up 
in service. We can't just get caught up and we're just doing service to serve. It's got to be coming from our, our hearts, right? I mean, if we continue in, in Luke, right after the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We need to orient our lives towards God not towards service. We can't focus on the doing. We can't focus on the serving. The one thing is, that's necessary is that we listen to God. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into some more worship through song. Heavenly Father, just pray that the love you have shown us just infiltrates our hearts, infiltrates our lives, that we would be able to share that love you have for us with our neighbors, with our city, with the orphans, the homeless, and the sick, Lord. We pray that we would be able to serve you well, that we wouldn't serve ourselves, that we wouldn't serve for our own glory, our own accolades, or just to make ourselves feel better, but that we would serve you because you served us, that we would serve you because you love us. We pray that we take this message of hope your message of the gospel, the message that, of the work that Christ has done on our behalf, we take that out as we serve you, that we would serve our city well, that we would boldly proclaim your glory, and that we would grow to love you more, Lord. We pray that as we go out this week, that we would constantly put you in the forefront, that we would love you above all else, Lord, that we would love you with every fiber of our being, and that we would love our neighbors, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.